Now, some of you, obviously I walked in here with all my Raider gear on, and it's not all my Raider gear. I don't have my socks, because I got Raider socks too. Um, but, you know, some of you might be thinking, now what is this guy doing, right? <laughs> And, but I think you all know me well enough to know that there's there's something up with it because this is not my normal Sunday attire, which, you know, and, and rightfully so it's not, and nor should it be, uh, I don't think. Although I, it wouldn't preclude you from entering into the kingdom, but probably wouldn't be your best choice in wardrobe, right? <clears throat> so this morning's message is, is, not, is titled Not Just a Fan, um, and you could even have a subtitle of fan or follower you know, well, what does that what does that have well there, you know it, it's multifaceted you know i you know when you when you look at sports teams and for myself particularly i'm you know i'm quite fond of sports i played a lot of sports growing up uh it sports was an absolute um mainstay in my life in a in sometimes a really troubled childhood in some regards uh sports was a place where i could go to get uh, uh a a release of energy and 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 a way for me to unwind and take out some aggression sometimes and deal with anger and you know so on and so forth and it was all good and you know you could go to you know sports team and and be a part of a, a well-functioning team, uh, you know, a group of guys that was committed to, to achieve a goal, and it was it was a lot of good things. And and I think there's a lot of good things that, that can be learned uh, from participating on sports teams and, and on teams in general. That's not why I'm talking about this today, but I'm just sharing that because I think most of you know and understand that how, you know, prevalent sports is in my life still is to this day, probably will to the day I die. I mean, I may be old and not even realize what's going on, but I'll probably have it on the TV nonetheless, right? And um, and so, <clears throat> I am an avid Raiders fan, and you know, as most of you know, and that's not, I'm not asking you to say one way or the other, because I know that the vast majority of you do not agree with such a, such a, an af <laughs> affinity for the team, right? Um, but the Raiders, they have a slogan. Raider fans, they have a slogan, win, lose, or tie, Raider till I die, right? Have you heard that? You ever heard a Raider fan say that? If not, you will now. You'll be like, oh, okay, I heard that, right? So, you know, we have those statements like that, and there's a loyal fan base, especially in Bakersfield. There's a big fan base of Raider fans, and there's fan bases everywhere, so much so that for 16 games out of the year, there will be, they'll travel, travel across the United States. Actually, prior to this last year, they would go overseas. Um, it just like, you know, you can insert your own favorite football team in there. And so I've been a fan with, uh, of the Raiders uh, when they were good. And for the last 25 years, not so good, right? And we had moments of good greatness, and then and, and, it, and it goes away. But I'm still loyal to them. I'm still a fan, and I still have their jerseys, and I still have their their hats, and and everything that goes along with that. And and you look at that, and some of you guys, you know, look at it like, oh, that's craziness, you know, you know, fanatics, right? Because that's what fan is shortened for is fanatic, right? 
The definition of fanatic is a person filled with excessive and single-minded zeal, especially for an extreme religious or political cause or sports. And in this regard, you go fanatic. Well, how is that even? Well, it becomes sports becomes a religion. What do you mean? People pay money for it, right? Hard-earned money. They, they worship the players, the stats. I find it interesting. Here's some things that you guys got to think about. When you talk about being a fan or being a follower of Jesus Christ, and you look at that, you go, well, how does that, how do you draw the correlation? Well, I've seen men and, and some people that are fans of, of things. And I'll, let me just cover some, you know, if you say, oh, I'm attacking football. I'm not attacking football. It's football for me, NFL is a pretty big deal for the Raiders, right? But I also have college football teams that I like to watch. I think we, a lot of us do, right? I also am a pretty big Dodger fan, right? Not as big as Brother Chad, but, you know, I'm a pretty big Dodger fan. Now, here's where I, and it, it's strange for me because I don't go down this road with some folks, but there's some folks that are Harry Potter fans, Okay. And, 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 and I say that not in a joking manner, and I'm not belittling it. I, it's just, it doesn't, I've never watched a movie. I have no desire to watch one of those movies. And it's same with the Lord of the Rings. Uh, there's some fan, fans of Lord of the Rings that know every detail of the Lord of the Rings. They, they know every Harry Potter wand and character and, you know, all those things, right? Um, you know, I... I don't even know how to pronounce those people's names right. The the characters, Gryffindorf or whatever, you know, some of them other ones. And then there's gamers in this day and age. You say, hey, listen, I'll tell you right now, the gamers are, are a real thing. A lot of y'all could shake your head and go, oh, that's just foolishness. No, it's not. There are There's a kid I watched, and, and, you know, I learned this from all the people that play the video games and do all this kind of stuff. There's kids out there. They have won millions of dollars playing video games. Millions. I know it seems ludicrous to you and ludicrous to me and most people. But it's a legitimate thing out there that people can become fans of. I never thought there would be a day in which that I would watch my children watch people play games online. You know, when I grew up, the worst part about, about playing video games was waiting your turn. I hated watching other people play. Kids nowadays spend their time watching videos of watching people play video games. <clears throat> hours and hours of it. And I'm like, I don't understand that. But it's a, it's a real thing, right? You say, oh, gamers, I, I attacked it. And that, and that's not, I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm just, I'm being fair and open, as honest as I can be with all this. Because say, you know, I stand before you with, with NFL gear on and with the Raider gear on. But that may not be your desire. That may not be what you cling to. That may not what you become a fanatic over. There are different things that are out there. You know, one of the things that in this one, Marvel, there is a cult following of Marvel characters, right? People, you have your favorite Marvel characters. 
you have your favorite superheroes and all these different things. You know, growing up, mine was Incredible Hulk and Spider-Man. Those were my favorite characters, right? But it was before all the Marvel movies and everything else that goes along with that. Now, here's one that I got to say because I got to be fair. And some of you might want to throw something at me. But NASCAR. Now, in my world, NASCAR could drop off the face of the planet. And I wouldn't lose an ounce of sleep. But there are some avid NASCAR fans. Just as I stand before you and wear a number four jersey, which is Derek Carr, our quarterback, right? There's plenty of folks that I don't even think, is Jeff Gordon even racing anymore? I don't know. Okay, so you got Jeff Gordon or uh, what's our local guy? Uh, Kevin Harvick, right? I pay loosely pay attention to Kevin Harvick because he's a local guy, right? And you're like, hey, man, it'd be cool to see a local guy be successful. Which he has here or there. But, you know, NASCAR, as far as I'm concerned, is, is like watching paint dry for me. And like watching Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings is like punishment for me. It's like, I'm not watching that stuff. You're crazy. And so, but for some, that's not the case. For some, man, that is their jam. That is what they like. I mean, man, it gets their, it gets their juice. Just like we get excited about watching a football game, just like we get excited about watching a baseball game, we're getting all amped up, getting worked up to watch this stuff. Somebody's going to get amped up and worked up to watch a, a video game, or they're going to get amped up and watch, and they're going to spend their time, they're going to spend their energy, and they're going to get all geeked out on whatever it is. It could be NFL, could be MLB, it could be Lord of the Rings, it could be all these different things that, that we are, are fans of, right? And you're like, to the point, the gearheads. You know what kind of motor is in this or that or this and that, right? We look at all these different things, right? You know, all these grease monkeys out there that, that, that can tell you that's a flathead this or that or another. And you're like, what are you talking about? But if you ask, now here's where the rubber meets the road. This is where I tell you that, that there are so many people out there, God's people included, where they don't apply themselves to Scripture, where they become a fan or a follower, right? Because there is a big difference. Well, I'm not a real smart guy, or I'm not a real smart gal. But you can, from across the room, someone's handbag, you gals, you see their kind of handbag that they're wearing, or their, or their shoes that they're wearing? From across the room, you can identify the kind of shoes that they're wearing, the maker and the designer and all that. Those are Louis Vuitton. That's a Louis Vuitton bag. That bag costs that, but, but how much or whatever it is. Or you've had this or you've had that. Or women can, can and, and this is where they have a trained eye, you know, they can look at you if you did your hair different one day. Your hair looks so much better today. You did it so, you know, because it's this style or that style, right? Or this or that. And the guys you look at it and go, well, I have no idea. Well, sometimes, a lot of times, we're in the dark on a lot of that stuff. we got to try it real hard. But we can do it, and we should do it, especially for your wife and your spouse. The point is, is that you can look at all these different things, and we can quote, I can quote statistics about my football team. I can quote statistics about my baseball team. I can give you everything under the sun about Derek Carr's completion percentage, which is really good, you know. 
this season wasn't as great as last season, but he had 28 touchdowns, 29 touchdowns, and 28 touchdowns, nine interceptions, right? It's pretty good, pretty good season. Some of you know those types of stats about your quarterback, especially during the season. You'll know the stats about your team or your favorite driver or your favorite episode or your favorite scene in a movie, right? You'll go, oh, yeah, you know, that's when this happened. You look at all that stuff and you go, yeah, that's pretty cool, right? You see, the zeal that we use to follow our favorite sport team or hobby or movie, you, you do realize it's in, ingrained in all of us. You, you know why so many people like football and, and sports and those kind of things? Same category as... as the same, same premise behind why we like movies and like Marvel and things like that, superheroes. It goes back to this thing called a hero archetype. And it's patterned after Jesus Christ. It's, it's ingrained in our culture, but that's another subject for another day. Okay? The point of it is, is that we want to see someone overcome evil. Sound familiar? We like the underdog. Sound familiar? It's ingrained in our culture. It's who we are. And so the point of it is, is that are we a fan or are we a follower? In John chapter 6, which is the first scripture that we're going to look at, there's some really important things that go on here. When I, when I was uh, preparing for this, this is one of the scripture... And I've been meaning to do this for a while, actually, to be quite honest with you guys. But I haven't, you know, for whatever reason, it, it didn't, didn't feel right. But, you know, it is an object lesson. It is something that you can look at. And it is something that I get to pick on myself because I have four or five Raider jerseys at my house. I have two or three in, in, of Derek Carr, couple, uh, one of Howie Long, um, and then our, our running back, Josh Jacobs. And so... I know their stats. I know what colleges they came from. I know all these things. I'm picking on myself, in other words, is what I'm telling you. But I'm hoping that based on the list of things that I gave you, it's not an exhaustive list, okay? But it's enough that it probably touches each and every one of us that's out there. There's, there's something out there that you care deeply about that, that dictates the way you dress. It dictates the way that you act. Right? It does. I believe in these things so much so that it predetermines your response and your actions. But what must override that? What must be more important? Now, I'm not knocking being a sports fan. I'm not knocking sports. I'm not knocking Harry Potter. I'm not knocking any of these other things that, because they're, 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 they're fine to be there. But when the Lord returns, none of that stuff matters. You can be a fanatic or you can be a fan of, of those types of things, but just recognize that they change with the wind. In John chapter 6, in verse 25, it says, When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? 
<clears throat> Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the, of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him the Father, God, has set his seal. Therefore they said to him, How, uh, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. So that he said to them, What then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? you what work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes after me, or who comes to me, will no longer hunger, and he who believes in me will, no, will not be thirsty. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will certainly not cast out. For I've come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that all he has given me, I lose nothing, but I raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up on the last day. Therefore the Jews were grumbling about him because he said, I'm the bread that came down out of heaven. They were saying, is, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down out of heaven? Jesus answered and said to them, do not grumble amongst yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall uh, all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that the one who may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I give for life of the world is my flesh. Then the Jews began to argue with one another, saying, How can this man give us the flesh, his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to him, Truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life. In yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live uh, because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also lives because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. Who eats, the, eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogues and is taught in Capernaum. 
Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, conscious of his, of his disciples, uh, that his disciples grumbled at this and said to them, Does this cause you to stumble? What then if you see the Son of Man ascending in, uh, to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life, and the flesh profits nothing. And the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that did not believe and who it was that would betray him. And he was saying, for this reason, I've said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him from the Father. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, you do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you're the Holy One of God. Jesus answered them, did I, not, I myself not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is the devil? Now he meant Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he was one of the twelve who was going to betray him. But you look at this in this scripture that is that that is it's so clearly seen here in the passages. We, this is quite a bit of reading. You look at that and he says, "Look, I am the bread of life that came down." And he, you got to understand from a Jewish perspective because that's who he's talking to. He says, "Look, your your fathers ate this bread and they died in the wilderness. The bread that I give you, which is my flesh," and he's talking about himself, Jesus Christ. He said, the, "My flesh is eternal life." Huh? To the Jews and everybody listening, like, wait a second. He's telling them, say, look, you ate of the loaves. We started this off. He says, you were, you were coming here to be fed. You like the miracles. You like the things that take place. You like the form and function of things. In other words, you like the idea of going to church. Right? We can like the idea of going to church, but not recognize why we do go to church. We go to church because it's right. Okay. This is our training ground right here. This is where we, we, we gather together to study the word of God so that when we go out into this world, that we are proper lights in a dark world. We are a source of light in this community here. When we're gathered together, the more of us that gather together, the brighter our light shines. All those that were following Jesus at this current point, and those that they, 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 they like the idea of the miracles. They like the idea of a new guy coming in. Just like those, those Pharisees and Sadducees, when John the Baptist was in the wilderness baptizing, they came out, man, they're like, hey, check it out. We got a new form of washing going on here. We could add that to the whole resume, right? We could just throw this old baptism thing in there. He said, uh-uh, that's not how this works. He, he wasn't out there baptizing the righteous. He was out there baptizing the unrighteous. He was out there baptizing people that knew they needed Jesus Christ. He wasn't, out, he wasn't interested in baptizing the, the self-righteous Pharisees and Sadducees. Their hearts were bad. They were the cleanest group of people in that nation. They didn't belong there. 
They didn't belong there because of their heart. Their desire was not there. There's plenty of people out there that are in love with the idea of God. They like the idea of God. It is a good place to start. But that is merely a starting point. There is a fundamental and a very big difference in, in believing in God and submitting to his lordship and making him your God. There's a lot of people out there that take church and church can become their favorite sports team, you see. They're fans. They're fans of the process. They're fans of the concept of going to church. They're fans of these things. Well, how do you know the difference? Because when it's time to put in the real work, that becomes a very difficult statement. Wait, 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 hold on. I'm in love with the idea of what church is. But maybe not in love with the idea of what church does and its intended purpose. We're to be more than fanatics and fans of Jesus Christ. Can you be a fan of Christ? Of course. That's not my, my point is, is I could be an absolute fan. Here's the flip side to this. I find it very interesting. If you were to see me out during football season with my football gear on, now, aside from the fact that it is Raider gear, you guys would not think that that is a strange occurrence, right? You'd be like, yeah, that's what people do. They support their teams or baseball or whatever it is, or NASCAR if it's a big race. I mean, you would have to tell me there's a big race that day, right? Okay, you know. I don't get alarmed when people wear their favorite Marvel character on their shirt. Do you? Or their favorite superhero. It's become increasingly um, acceptable nowadays that grown adults wear Marvel characters as t-shirts. But that's another subject for another day. But it's, it's the same as running around wearing another man's jersey. We're okay with that. Aren't we? Culturally. But if I were to wear a, a jersey with Jesus' name on it, would, would you find that acceptable? I hope you would. I hope I would too. You know, you think about it, oh, wait a minute. Why? Why would I do that? Because... This is a public declaration to everybody that I come into contact with that day that I'm a, without question, I'm, an, I'm a fan. I support the Oakland Raiders. I'm sorry, the Las Vegas Raiders, right? Sorry. Right? I support them. Hat, jersey. Someone said, well, you don't need to wear a shirt that has Jesus' name on it to, to tell people about Jesus. You're right, you don't. But it doesn't hurt either. Matter of fact, if you're so bold as to wear your favorite team out, you probably ought to have something that has Jesus' name on it too. And if you don't, you might want to reevaluate things. You might want to start thinking about how I can promote the name of Jesus Christ so that people will ask me. Listen, you wear a Raider stuff out, you'll hear good and bad. And I'm prepared to take it. Not a problem. 
Some say, well, you know, I, you know, you don't have to do all that. We don't want to look like those people. Who? Who's those people? Huh? What'd you say? Raiders. Don't want to look like Raiders. <laughs> what you don't want to look like is somebody that, like, oh, I didn't know you went to church, or oh, I didn't know you believed in Jesus, or, you know, the, the conversation. Now, I'm not telling you all need to go out and get a bunch of Jesus shirts. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that, listen, as much as we are, 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 are so bold as to show who we support and there's certain lifestyles and certain dress dresses and code and clothes that we wear or or all this other kind of stuff. we got all this uh you know uh opinions of these things we should be also in first and foremost proud to tell people who our lord and savior is We don't want to find ourselves in, in, in love with the idea of going to church, but not recognizing what it means to serve God. It's a big difference. Sometimes they work in conjunction and in concert with one another, but sometimes they can be independent of one another as well. Said so that there in verse 66 there, as a result, Many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. Now, those were his disciples. What does that mean? Huh? There were fans. Yeah, I would agree with you. Yeah, in, in, in keeping in line with what we're talking about there. But could it be possible that they were, they were baptized believers, maybe? Called them disciples. You don't get that term. You don't get to use that term lightly in God's eyes. It's just a question. You look at that and go, woof, how could that be? Well, sometimes we can be in love with the idea rather than the practice. In modern churches today, and this is not an attack, but maybe maybe just a declaration, I guess you could say, in Luke chapter 9 is where we're going to pick up in verse 23 of Luke chapter 29, is that there are so many people out there that, that maybe through good intentions like to promote the idea that, that, uh, that, Following Christ is, you know, you say, okay, look, let's ask, let's put it this way. The free gift of salvation, I just said it, that, that his, his salvation is a gift. There's nothing that you and I can do to deserve his salvation. Amen? Amen. There is nothing we can do. But that does not preclude us from the requirements associated with that free gift. Huh? What do you mean? There must be a repentance. There must be a change in our lives in order to properly follow Jesus Christ. Amen. Has to be. Why? Because we've covered it already before in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. All in Adam are dead. In our flesh, we are incapable of pleasing God. We need Jesus Christ. Amen. So one of the things that we must understand is that he requires our death for life. Death is required for life. 
Amen? You go over and read Romans chapter 6, you go into those baptismal waters, you come out to walk in a newness of life. You, that, that old man is dead and buried and left in that water. But it does, you don't even have to go there, although that is a culmination. It is a first, what I, I said, it's the first physical act of faith. In Luke chapter 9, it tells us in verse 23, it says, He was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after him, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. Following Christ requires death. A willingness for us to give up our lives. It says in verse 25 in that same chapter, he says, For what is a man profit if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For, whatever is ashamed, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. We must understand that he requires death for life. We must die. And that cross that he's talking about, there, he says, you take up your cross and follow me daily. That's your life. That's my life. We're sacrificing ourselves. We're sacrificing our lives. We die daily. The scripture teaches us. Why? Because this flesh is a real booger. It causes us a lot of problems. And it is a day in and day out struggle. Just because you had a good day yesterday doesn't mean you're going to have a good day today. Am I right? I wish it was the case. Now, we can build incrementally on things. Don't get me wrong. We do make progress in the faith. But guess what? I'm learning, and the more people I talk to, the older you get, you think the easier it gets. That ain't true. That flesh is as vicious and as, and as tricky as, and as, as deceitful as the day you came out of those baptismal waters. <laughs> Gives you problems all the way up into the end. And it's supposed to be that way. Godly design. In Matthew chapter 19, in verse 16, it says, And someone came to him and said, Teacher, what good thing shall I do to obtain that I may obtain eternal life? Now, I'm going to stop there for just a moment. This is where I think that we get things wrong a lot of times, Okay. And, and, and because this is a very good and honest question that, that he asked there. He says, someone said, what, what good thing shall I do to obtain eternal life? We're looking for that one good thing, right? At one point in religion, it's, it's once saved, always saved. You believe in it, it's good, you it never have a problem. Well, we didn't like that so much, so guess what? We said baptism. He said baptism now saves you because the scripture teaches us that, right? You go, yeah, okay. So we got a bunch of baptized believers that don't know nothing about Jesus Christ because all they cared about was getting on the roll. 
You understand? Our faith in Jesus Christ is a linear progression. If you want to put it at the beginning, you're wrong. If you want to put it at the middle, you're wrong. It is not complete until our Savior comes back. We can split hairs all we want. You say, well, I, they're wrong for saying it there. They're wrong for saying it there. We're all wrong. And ain't a single one of us in here in control of it. It is a linear progression. It is faith that brought you to the understanding that you need God and that you need Jesus Christ. It is faith that brings you to the baptismal waters. And it is also faith that will carry you through for the rest of your life. That has not changed. That is absolutely 100% unequivocally scriptural. That is not hidden in the fine print either. It's not in the fine print. It's as clear as day. But we've figured out ways to, to come up with these alternative scenarios that have, have absolutely been a detriment to churches. And I don't think God's going to like that so much. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Some preacher can get up and talk to you and tell you, this is what I think it says. That's great, but what does the word of God say? What does the word say? It's all fun and games. Here you go. Are you a fan or are you a follower? What do you mean? Well, sometimes our teachings and our beliefs contradict what the word of God says. What? Never would we do that. You mean never would a room full of flesh-filled, sin-riddled beings get it wrong? Think about that one for a little bit. Of course we are going to get some things wrong. By his grace, he allows us to make those things right. And his mercy. And he said in verse 17, he said to him, why, why are you asking me about what is good? There's only one who is good. But if you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. Then he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said to him, you shall not commit murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these things I've kept. What am I still lacking? Jesus said to him, if you wish to become complete, go and sell your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have treasures in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard the statement, he went away grieving for he is one who owned much property. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly, I say to you, it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were very astonished and said, Then who can be saved? And looking at them, Jesus said to them, With people, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Then Peter said to him, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, that you who have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you shall sit upon the twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or farms for my name's sake will receive many times as much and will inherit 
eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and last will be first. That is not just a suggestion. That is not just a good idea. That is a guarantee from our Lord and Savior. Now, he gives a special blessing to the 12 that followed him, right? And Peter is asking that. And you can actually see that in, in, in the book of Revelation where it, it's spoken about the 12 tribes. And those the, the apostles given that special place. But he also covers for you and me in there too. Where he says, everyone who's left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children farms for my name's sake. You go, wait a minute, what do you mean? Every one of us in here has a home. Every one of us in here has a, a, a place that we live and a, you know cars and all that other kind of stuff. Brethren, we gave those things up to follow Christ. He's already told us in Matthew chapter 6, he's going to take care of us. And he's been taking care of us. And he will continue to take care of us. But the second that we put those things in front of him or anything in front of him, it's like, think of it as, as a tipping scale. Now, there is a lot of grace and mercy with God. And he is a sovereign God. He does things however he chooses because he's God. And that, that's a hard thing for us to wrap our minds around sometimes. Why can God be so forgiving of this guy and, and not of that guy? You and I don't get paid to be concerned with that. I'm using that as a metaphor, obviously. That's God's business, not mine, not yours. You take up your cross, you follow him. And as it said there earlier, when I read it in, in John, in, uh, I'm sorry, in Luke chapter, uh, yeah, in Luke chapter 9 that I was reading over there, he requires death for life. That's what he's telling this rich young ruler here. I require death for life. It's more than being a fan. But if you can spout to me scenes and movies and, and things and favorite plays and favorite, favorite seasons and statistics and, and, and fashion and all these different things that we, I, I find it, it's really amazing when you sit back and become an observer of people, right? People say, I'm not the most studious type person. You're not. No, no, no. I'm not the most studious. But I've heard some of the people that have claimed to not be the most studious spout off some statistics and facts about their favorite teams that would make your jaw drop. And I sit back and I'm like, how in the world do you know that? Because it's important to them. But when you look at the scripture, you go, well, I don't, I don't know how, I, you, know, you talk to people, I can rebuild a carburetor. Man, I never tried to do that. We took one apart one time. It was the worst decision I ever made. Good thing it was my buddies, not mine. <laughs> I said, well, I got to go home now. <laughs> he got it figured out eventually, right? We were about 16 years old. You look at it, you go, whew. But somebody said, I could rebuild a carburetor in my sleep. Really? And you can't desire to know God on a deeper level? Sure you can. It just depends on if you want to do it or not. If he's important enough. 
the fashion and all the things or health related things. You know, where there's all kinds of different diets and things and this and that workouts and exercises, all these different things that we'll, we'll become fans of and we watch and we're, we're so invested in all these different things. And, and you look at that and people are so, they, they could spit off the facts and the scenes and this character and the backstory and all these different kinds of things. The greatest novel ever written, the greatest love story ever written sits in your lap this morning. We need to be in love with our Savior and his book. I'm not saying that it would be hypocritical to stand before you today and say that I'm not going to watch a football game or I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be uh, uh, equally as, as, as impassioned about my favorite team because I will. But there's one thing for sure, and make no mistake about it. The thing that I absolutely love the most is standing before you every Sunday and be, be able to proclaim the word of God. Because of what his son, Jesus Christ, has done for me and for my life. And what I think that he can do for all of us and what he's done for you and for all those that we can preach to and talk to. Brethren, it is worth showing up for. It is worth proclaiming. It is worth wearing. It is worth becoming, moving from a fan to a follower. Don't just be a fan of Jesus Christ. Don't be just a fan of church. Be a follower. Give him your life. He deserves it. And Lord bless you and keep you.